Hi, Hurricane fans. Joe Zagacki here for UPS. Your customers want more from your business. You've got to make more happen, whether they're in Miami or on the other side of the world, globally or locally. UPS is building solutions to help businesses give their customers exactly what they want. More made easy. UPS, official logistics company of Miami Athletics. A special edition as we go behind the U. We've got a, a pretty cool setup here today. We'll be joined by former Miami Hurricanes who have uh, taken a little bit of a different uh, career path as they are now professional highlight players. And they're playing over at uh, Magic City. It's Magic City Highlight. They're, they're proud sponsors of the University of Miami. And they're now playing uh, four days a week. And they're open to the public on Saturdays at 4 p.m. And you can get tickets at magiccitycasino.com. We'll talk more about that. But uh, welcome. I'm going to start with Tenard. Introduce yourself. Tell everybody when you what sport you played and when you played at the University of Miami. We'll kind of go around before we get into the new adventure. Well, hello. Uh, my name is Tenard Davis. I'm known as Jed in here at uh, Magic City Highlight. I played at University of Miami. I ran track and I also played football. I was in the NFL for three seasons. And now I'm here throwing this pelota with the Cesta. <laughs> A little different setup. All right. Now, uh, Les, uh, Les Bradley is going to introduce himself. Yeah, my name is Les Bradley. My court name, I go by Bradley. Uh, ran track at the University of Miami from 2006 to 2009. My specialty was the 110-meter hurdles. And uh, now I'm uh, at uh, Magic City playing highlight. So hurdles, that means you're good at climbing the wall, I bet. Yeah, definitely. Jumping, sprinting. So, yeah, def I definitely have the power for it all. So... Magic City kind of gets together with UM. Scott Savin, the COO, has his brainchild to sort of help market the game by bringing in local athletes. And uh, the, the, the company has a longstanding relationship with the University of Miami. So they decide we're going to send an email out to a bunch of former athletes and we're going to see if there's any interest in them taking up a different professional road uh, and have them become highlight players. So, Tenard, I'll start with you. You get the email. And I want to know, after you read it, did you even know what Highlight was? So when I read the emails, I, I was actually in Knoxville uh, shooting a show for the Discovery ID channel. And I literally, like, junk mailed it because I, I knew a Highlight, but I thought it was junk mail coming from University of Miami. And I got another email a couple of days later. Then I responded back. And the person who was a part of the group that responded back to me uh, explained to me that, you know, it may be a great opportunity to come and try out what can happen you know what's the worst that can happen so i came to miami did a workout over at dania casino because they trained they did like a trial at dania casino and i basically had to run with the pelota and a cesta run around like an agility course and run around the whole entire court within a certain amount of time and then they hired me on the spot so i was kind of like was it really that easy like this is the sport but the email it was too good to be not true and it is true. Like I can't, I can't express on what that email stressed, like on what this, this job can do for us. It did for us times 10. So the first one you thought was junk, you get the second one and you, you're convinced. So what changed? Well, meeting the big wigs over here at the company, talking to them. And like you said, the, the family of the casino is our big donors to the University of Miami have a good connection with us. 
they made me feel comfortable about trying this. And I live in Georgia and it took, it took them a lot to convince me to come try this out. So when I, by talking to them and talking to my wife at the time, uh, I was convinced to come out here and try out. And uh, the first season was a, a trial by fire and a lot of us was raw, but at the end of the day, uh, we was able to understand how to play the sport and bring our competitive edge coming from University of Miami to be able to make this fun again. All right, Les, what about you? You read that first email and you think what? Yeah, honestly, I didn't really know what to expect. You know, just looked into the email just from, from the first one. You know, let me find out about it. Reach out. I think we ended up talking with, uh, with Jay. I think I ended up yeah, talking with JR and um, kind of gave the details. I think I, I was like one of the first ones to kind of reach out about it and, you know, gave me some more information. Like, like Jaden was saying, came out to the tryouts. I ended up, I remember trying out with Ben. And, you know, just kind of just kind of organically went from there for a while, even after I came in and tried out, I was like, is this is this for real? Like, is this going to happen? Like, I, I, I really didn't know. I think I was really believing in it, you know, a couple months later when, uh, you know, we were getting close to close to game time, really. And uh, it was like, wow, this is this is all coming together. So. <laughs> That was kind of that was kind of it for me. What drew you in, right? You read this email about did you had you heard of the sport? I'd never heard of the sport. Me, I'm from Northern Virginia, raised there, and you know, I'm not native to Miami, so it was all new to me. I think the yeah, the most I had really seen of it was like snippets on like some different shows, and um, I was telling some of my my friends and family about it, and they were like, "What? Are you serious? For for real?" But um, you know, I just uh, what drew me to highlight was just the ability to like use my natural talents like my uh, physical talents to you know just to play sports um it's been a while since i've done anything uh competitively i had previously been in you know after after college been on uh, ninja warrior american ninja warrior and i uh, was doing that for a little while but you know when i had the opportunity to come in and play highlight i was like you know definitely gonna give this a shot Forget the email. How'd they first pitch it to you? What was the vision? What did they say to you, sell to you? But what, what had, had you intrigued that they had a plan, right? They had a plan. And what was it? As we got closer to the season, say roughly, I think, June or the end of, uh, the end of May or June, uh, we had a big dinner with the team. And Scott was there. And that was our first time actually meeting him. He told us to come out and eat. And I remember at the dinner, he had a, like a uh, canvas. And it said, Canes versus Spain. And when I saw that, like I got goosebumps because Scott vision was, okay, somebody told me I can't train former athletes how to play this sport and I want to prove them wrong. So I have a five-year plan with all you guys that I want to, you know, in the next five years, I want to put you against the best, you know, Spaniards, the best people who ever play highlight. And I want to show them how much we have gotten better from year one up until now. And when I heard him say that, and he was really serious, I can tell from his voice and Coach Ara, uh, who's our coach, uh, Ara Arasata, who's a former player himself, and Thu Nyman, who's one of our management here, they really stood up and started saying like, hey, we believe in you guys. We just need you guys to believe too. I was convinced from there. And ever since then, I, I never looked back. I, I've been one of the guys that's beating, up, beating the drum, telling everybody about the sport, promoting it, uh, because I feel like this sport in general if it gets into the right viewership, somebody watches it, it can take off and it can be the next best thing. Even though it's been around for years, I think the way social media is not a way we're in entertainment, this can be one of the best things that ever happened when it comes to sports. 
Les, what, what was said to you that kind of had you nodding your head? Like, there might be something here. When they said the amount that was in the pot for us to win from uh, for competition, I was like, okay, that, that sounds intriguing. You know, we, I, we, I can work with that. You know, I was trying to get my fair share of that. You know, that was uh, probably what, what did it for me. And, you know, I was, I was surprised uh, when they were saying, you know, some of the guys, you know, didn't show up initially because they didn't think that there was pay until competition started. I was, you know, making sure and looking through everything, asking all my questions. I was like, I knew I was getting paid from day one because I was like, I know I wasn't showing up <laughs> if, if it wasn't put on. So that was that was kind of a, that was that was my experience uh, with it. But um, yeah, definitely the uh, the pot of money that's in it for us. That you got your eyes set on the money, right? We we all want to put some money in our pocket now. Tell me about the first practice. The Cesta's on your arm. Probably we should probably tell people real quick because I, I mean I know I've I've. I've watched the sport. I've been to matches as growing up that the Cesta is basically this long curved netting, essentially, right? That, that is attached to your, I guess what it's to your forearm. It's to your hand. And it's your whole arm is sort of moving in a direction to, to get the ball to sort of fly towards either the sidewall or the front wall. Right. And, and you're play you're, you're basically playing a, a long version of, I don't know, like racquetball almost. Yeah. It's like racquetball on steroids. Right. So you're playing a long version of that. Yeah, a lot of people compare the sport to racquetball uh, just because of the walls, uh, but we don't have a, a fourth wall, and that's the net. And you don't the, what you said a second ago is that, uh, Josh, you don't want to hit the sidewall first because if you hit the sidewall first, it puts the ball in the center of the court, and it gives the, your opponent an advantage. So your, your objective is to hit the front wall first and add a, like the apex of it, like the center or the right in the corner so it can stay against the wall uh, giving your opponent a very difficult uh, time to try to catch the ball. So you want a narrow uh, place to, to navigate, right? If it's if it's kind of skip, coming off the front wall and hanging tight to the sidewall, right? Exactly. All right. So what I was going to ask was, so what? So you have this Cesta on your arm, and you're trying to throw the ball as you know as hard as you can, as fast as you can, and maybe you're trying to change speeds. But at the beginning, what was harder, trying to throw it the way you want it, or trying to catch? Tenard, I'll start with you. Well, I can speak for all of us. It's catching was the hardest part because Daryl, you know, I'm a football player and I'm used to using my fingers to, to feel the ball. So seeing the ball come off the wall and you want to catch it in the air and not let it get to the ground, it's, it's relaxing your wrist. So catching to me uh, is the hardest part and the most important part because if you don't catch the ball, you can't throw the ball. So you can figure out all the other stuff as you continue to learn how to catch. But if you can't catch the ball, you're going to be sitting down and you got to wait for the seven other players lose. All right, less throwing or catching. Yeah, so for me, I, I would say both was tough coming from a sport that didn't involve, you know, any catching <laughs> in my hands. The only thing I used my hands for was just when I kept coming out the blocks and, you know, bouncing them, you know, hurling over a hurdle. But um, so initially both was tough for me. But um, I, I just, you know, got the throwing part down. That's a little bit easier to figure out. But then it's the catching is it definitely took a little bit longer for me to, to get uh, consistently the hang of that. So I would imagine in catching, it's not only like the skill, right, of Tanar, you were talking about you're used to using your hands. So it's not only the skill, right, of receiving the ball in the Sesta, but that ball, if someone plays it right, is coming at you. They say upwards of 100 and I don't know, 20, 30, 40 miles per hour. I mean, it's coming at warp speed. So Tenard, how much does that, uh, let alone catching it, catching a, a you know, a, a ball that's coming at warp speed? Throwing hard 
is not really uh, difficult as much as it used to be when we first started playing because we can we can track the ball pretty well. The hardest part about it is when it's sliding against the wall and you have to catch it with your backhand because it's two ways to catch the ball. You catch a front hand and you catch a backhand. And catching a backhand, you have to you have to move your you know your your hips a certain way and able to control the ball. Because LA is a hard thrower, Tennessee is a hard thrower, Douglas is a hard thrower, uh, Matt uh, Langham, who's, who goes by Douglas, he's a very hard thrower. And now at our at this point of our career, throwing hard is not necessarily going to beat you. It's just placement of the ball is where you're going to beat you, because everybody can rebote now. Rebote is getting up the ball off the back the back wall to throw it right back to the front wall, and you know trying to save the ball too when it's hanging against the wall, just slide it just to keep yourself into the game. Because everybody can throw hard, everybody. But it's the guys who can throw the ball precisely where they want to throw it. It's the guys who always win. So throwing hard and fast is not really as much as it's a problem because when you watch on camera, the ball looks like it's going very slow. And when you watch it on camera, when you're here watching it live, it zips. But it doesn't scare us because we know how to track it. We know how to predict where it's going to go. And then we can throw a rebote or catch in the air and try to either kill the shot or throw the ball where the person is not going. Get the lingo going now, Tenard. I like it. So, uh, were you guys only training amongst your like with Americans, or were you mixed in with the Spaniards who had been playing? And the reason why I ask is, was there any awkwardness? Was there was it intimate? I mean, I, I imagine it's all in a little intimidating at the first, no matter who you're with, just because of the sports new. But what were the groups consisted of? Were you mixed in with people who had played the sport who were veterans, quote unquote? Um, the only veteran that we really had was uh, Jr., who was coaching us, you know, from the time that we started. And then, you know, Stu, when he came on, I think Stu might have either played for fun or amateur, but it was really just uh, the two of them. Uh, we actually had, uh, yeah, and we had another coach also uh, working with us, but really it was just, it was uh, the three of them and uh, amongst ourselves that we were, you know, learning all together. Uh, so we're kind of started at the same place. So LA was saying we had three coaches. The third co coach was, uh, uh, he went by the name of Tevin. Uh, but his name was Leon Shepard. He played at Dania, um, and he just recently retired. Uh, but to get to, to your question, Josh, uh, we, we practiced with each other, but we had that competitive atmosphere from day one. You know, L.A., who I respect so much, he's, a, he's, very, he's very to himself because when he comes to work, he comes to work just to do his job, and he goes home. He's been like that since day one. And you got myself, who, you know, I'm, I, I can see I'm one of the most competitive guys on the team. They're scared about everything. <laughs> 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 but, but at the same time, I'm the most supportive. I'm the most, you know, encouraging to all the players, regardless from the worst to the best. We grow with the program. And from the worst guy to the best guy, you know, we got to bring him from the bottom in order to bring him to the top. And I feel like us from the beginning, from year one, the guys who, who've been here since year one, like myself, L.A., uh, Juice, Andrew Luck, uh, we've been ultra competitive since day one. That has not changed. But the respect, the hard work has been the same since that, too. So when you guys have real matches, it's, is it also just you guys or then it becomes intermixed? We play against each other. We have groups. You know, you have group one, uh, that's game one, two, uh, three, four. And then you have the guys who play late games uh, that are game six and eight. And those, you know, from what they say, are the best guys on the team that, you know, they can play a little bit better than uh, for what they appear to say better than us. But, you know, now when you go to doubles, you know, like I said, L.A. was my doubles partner last season. And each season, Scott switches up the doubles partner just to keep things competitive and to keep things, you know, not so easy like it's been the past couple of years because Douglas ran away with doubles the past two years. But this year, since we're so equally, you know, 
we play just about the same, just compared to like Ron Ron and Douglas, it's hard to figure out who's going to win the double season this year. And that's what Scott's vision is to keep it as competitive as possible so no one can't run away with it. So Scott kind of took a personal, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that you said this Canes versus Spain, right? That the Spaniards kind of, I don't, I don't know, look down is the right word, but like I guess people told him or that this couldn't happen. When Scott brought up the Canes versus Spain, uh, someone from Dania told Scott that you can never teach former athletes to te- play this sport. They have to learn from the roots, from Spain and from France, and you will never be able to do that because Scott, for some reason, this this is like court, like upstairs uh, information that he was trying to work with them to try to get some of their players to come here, but it fell apart. And he told Scott, like, you can't teach anybody else but our guys. So Scott was like, oh, you telling me I can't do this? Watch this. And that's when they reached out to the University of Miami and started teaching us and and got all these athletes. And he's what he said is proven. I don't care where where you are. If you if you have the, a dedication with certain players and their their image and their not gonna say their pride won't let them embarrass themselves out here. L.A. myself, Andrew Luck, Tennessee. We're gonna put effort. We're gonna put forth effort to make sure we don't embarrass ourselves and also the program. So the Canes versus Spain is real. And it happened last year with the tournament that uh, we had recently, the uh, Highlight National ch- uh, Championship that we had on our court. And one of our players, Carballo, who was a year one guy, but he was hurt because he broke his foot at North Miami, ended up getting second place, beating, almost beating one of the guys from Daniel who's been playing since he was a kid. So Scott was so proud and it, it, he was so happy that he was able to prove to whoever that guy was that told him that you can't do that. Now he's trying to, he's beating the drum now. I say, okay, now we're about to push it to the next level and show how much better we've got. Year one LA versus year four LA. Well, um, I definitely say from year one to year four, um, I've definitely been trying to, the whole time been trying to bring the power to just, you know, shove it down the throat. But um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, try to, you know, focus on, you know, just improving every single time I get on the court. And, you know, there's things here and there, like dealing with trying to, uh, like have you're having setbacks and things like that, but um, I would definitely say overall, de- definitely much much more improved, much more focused um, as far as like placements and ability to pick which shots I want to throw. You know, there's still always there's always work to be done. So um, that's you know where I'm at. I don't know when you guys hit the court for the first time, but it was July was the season, right? You you had like six months to get ready, right? Six months to get ready, and there was there was a lot of practice between the time that we started uh, in January till. It's, getting on in july and even even when we started in july it was still very very rough and like tanar mentioned earlier we were still very raw um to the sport so uh, a lot of the naysayers were you know out there you know doing their thing and we just had to kind of block them out and just you know really focus on ourselves and kind of come together as a as a group to just perform and, and and go out there and do what we're supposed to do so how much practice like how much time did you guys put in i want to say we maybe four to five days a week uh, for what, at least five months, like for a couple hours. And some people would even put even, even more time into that. You know, we were all trying to get in um, and be on the court as much as we could. And people would have to like kick some of us off and <laughs> say, Hey, you got to go home. That's somebody else's practice. Cause you can only have so many people on a court at a time. And, you know, at the, at the facility we were practicing at, it was, um, it was a little bit older and it was, uh, it was smaller. Um, so there was a, a lot of transitions to go through and, you know, going from the smaller court to the big court. But yeah, we, we, everyone was fighting to try to get on court as much as possible because everyone wanted their, uh, as much practice to get as much of their, uh, much of the pot that was, you know, that was in. 
that they were telling us about. That's the competitive part, right? You know, they're, they're, they're dangling, they're dangling money in front of you guys. You got a chance to, to make a, maybe make a living here. And so, you know, I'm going to put in as much work as I can to, to get mine. Yeah. Well, we did, we had a mock game and uh, at the North Miami court, we had a, like we did a first mock game, like, okay, we're going to have eight guys and we're going to simulate how it's going to be. And I think juice won first, the, like the mock game. And I was annoyed because I only got up once and I'm like, hold up how can he win just like that and I didn't get a second chance up and I didn't understand what it meant by the like the Cornell like sometimes you can only get up once and never get up again and never have a chance in the pot and then when they threw out the numbers $125 for first place $50 for second place $25 for uh, third place and we were playing two performances a day every day so you can go home easily with 1600 bucks a day if you want every single game, but that's not realistic. So like LA said, everybody was staying extra. We had to get kicked off the court. And what was so bad too, I'm surprised somebody mentioned this, we had to share cestas. And that was so disgusting because you'll get behind <laughs> a guy and his hand would be soaking wet and you had to stick your hand in there. And I'm like, yo, this is, it can't be like this. I know we're not gonna have to do this in the game because you're gonna have, have to more, have more cestas, but it was slimy, stink, it was bad, yo. But Everybody was trying to get a piece of that 400000 man. And L.A. said it. We, we were out there putting in the hours. We didn't go home. We'll go, you know, Ben, for example, Ben will show up at 10 o'clock. And Ben won't leave until 7 p.m. That's crazy. But now you guys said, so you said you, the so Tenard, and unfortunately this won't come out in, in the video because it's going to be a podcast, but the court behind you, Tenard, looks beautiful. You guys get to practice and work and obviously you play there now, but is that like home, is that home base? Uh, yes, this is the court that we play on. And when we left the North Miami court and came to this court, uh, for, for myself, I never thought I would have been able to get some, the ball to the front wall because I felt like it was huge. Now I feel like we outgrew this court. The court is so small now because we know how to find the ball and move around. But yeah, this is it's a it's a half glass and half uh, I want to say it's some type of material that I can't say plastic, but it's a hard, hard material where the ball doesn't react truly. But it reacts good enough. So say, for instance, L.A. throws a two-wall, and that's a carom with his right hand. His throws are so strong that nobody should never be able to get to it. But our wall, is it gives sometimes. So it, the ball won't cut as much and gives our opponent the opportunity to catch the ball. So the court is not the best because you're coming from a traditional – we look at a traditional court like Dania and, and Miami Casino. It's made of granite, and the, the court is, you know, more concrete. But this is a fantastic court for what we had to do within seven months. And since year one – Andrew Luck broke the glass, or Anderson, what we call him, Andrew Luck is his court name. He broke the glass before the first performance. And he throws way harder now, and we haven't broken the glass yet because uh, we're learning we're how to play the sport. And they got better equipment and better balls uh, so we could be able to keep this thing for a long time. You guys have crowds now, right? Yes, on Saturdays. So what's it like playing in front of fans, right? It's got to kick things up a notch, I would imagine. It definitely kicks it up a notch. You know, uh, I feel like a lot, of, I mean, I mean, I don't know about everybody, but... I know having the fans there playing for people more than just, you know, it just being streamed online where there's not the same type of live interaction. It's great. Um, you know, we get to see our friends, our family come and support us. I love it when my son Ace is there, you know, able to come see, you know, oh, my daddy plays highlight. Go daddy, go daddy. You know, when I walk on the court, I, I let out a bark and, and he lets out a bark back at me. So it's just like, it's, it feels good to, you know, have people back in the court. Obviously, there's there's legal wagering on this. So can you you sense which way who's got money on you if you if you're doing well or doing bad? 
Are they barking at you? <laughs> no, that's just the barking is just like it's just my signature thing. Um, so for my uh, fraternity for what I do, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna shout out to my cues, Omega Sci-Fi. But um, uh, no, that's just that's just my thing that I that I do, and uh, you know I have my son. My son will. I thought about bark, so he'll he'll bark back <laughs> with me. I was given to permission to bark one time. Uh, no, 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 not, not not from the cues, not from the cues. No, not from the cues. <laughs> no, I'm talking about double bark. Like I was able to give a bark. <laughs> So we was double partners and we went. Yeah, I yeah, like, ah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's been three years, right? Has the purse been three, four hundred thousand every year? It increased, but we play different type of games now. We have more tournaments. So the, the pot has increased, but it's other ways to get the money because we have something called head to head now where you can see the shirt I'm wearing, where there is a pot for that. And then you have a pot for just the season itself. So uh, it increased. And there's other ways to make money compared to just winning on the court in the Quinella. Hi, Hurricane fans. Joe Zagacki here for UPS. Your customers want more from your business. You've got to make more happen, whether they're in Miami or on the other side of the world, globally or locally. UPS is building solutions to help businesses give their customers exactly what they want. More made easy. UPS, official logistics company of Miami Athletics. So we're four years into this. Obviously, it's come a long way. Scott Savin had this vision of American-born athletes, especially the connection to the University of Miami. L.A., where do, where do we go from here? Like, what's the next phase? You kind of got it off and going. What's the next step? You know, that, that's a good question. I feel like the next step, uh, which is, you know, from getting – off the ground, uh, I believe Scott's vision was to have this tournament where we're competing against um, a lot of the other, you know, professional highlight players and even some of the past highlight players. And, you know, I would, I would think to some degree, you know, expanding from there, maybe at some point it might be an open, uh, more of an open tournament, or maybe we're even going to other countries to play. I know with the, the head-to-head that they're starting, you know, for the first time this year, that's a, that's a whole new experience that I think a lot of us um, and a lot of the fans have been uh, looking forward to because it really is, I would say, in a way, it, it gives a true portrayal of the sport of Highline um, just because there's a component of chance when you're playing Quinella with eight people on the court. You have a one in eight chance uh, of winning. And, you know, when you're playing head-to-head, it's like more of like the sport component of it with that like it's one team versus another team uh which a lot of us get more of a feel for but you know i I feel like that's the direction for the future as far as you know the sport goes let me just chime in here for a second tenard or la correct me if i'm wrong so we say one of eight chance basically if i if i have this right you have eight right eight guys are in the game so to speak right and like one place two if two wins one goes off three comes on right you just kind of keep going through and whoever wins that x number of points wins the match so to speak right but what you're saying, L.A., is it would just be one versus two to a certain number, right? And you're just you're battling head-to-head. Yeah, so the, so the head-to-head, yeah, the head-to-head, how it's structured right now, it's kind of like a setup similar to tennis. where We play three sets, and to win the match, you have to win two sets. So you're playing the best of three, uh, and it's just head-to-head to six points. So, yeah. The Cornell is, is a little bit more difficult to win because of the fact that uh, you got to beat eight guys, and, you know, one guy can get a lucky shot on you, you never get on the court again. But head-to-head... Uh, it's mano and mano, and like Ellie said, it's like a tennis format. Three sets, the first to two sets win the game, and each set you play six points. And so whoever gets to 12 first, 
and that gives the true essence, like LA said, of the sport. But and it also tells you that a person who could be winning Cornella win a lot of games in Cornella, but they play head to head, and they can go one and six or three and five because of the fact that they may look like the better player when it comes to Cornella, but when it's mano a mano, that person may have an advantage because they know how to play him. You ask the second where you think the sport is going. I feel like if we get to the right people, because we had NFL Network here last year uh, when I was working for them, I actually had them come out here and shoot a skit with uh, Willie McGinnis and uh, James Jones. And they knew they didn't, they knew nothing about higher life. So platforms like that, ESPN, Fox Sports, we can get on one of their channels and just get a slot and we promote it in the right way. Again, this can be the next best thing. And, you know, instead of watching Cornhole and uh, Water Polo, you can watch Highlight and watch Ellie climb up to the fifth pillar and turn it to the Terminator and, and throw something, you know, that nobody else can't get. You see, I mean, you believe in this, Bernard. I mean, you said this thing. You think this, the sky's the limit. I, I really believe in like, I don't think I personally think I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be around when it takes off because I'm, you know, I'm 38. I may be around the last two years when it really takes off. So you're going to have Douglas. You're going to have the younger guys that we eventually bring on that can carry the flag to where it needs to go. But I'm going to continue to beat the drum. And hopefully when it does take off, I'm still capable and, and, and able to play at a high level. So I can say, hey, I believe since day one where it's going to go and everybody on the team benefits, not just me. You know, the, the, the guys who don't play the best to the guys who play the best. Uh, we we able to show how good the sport is on a very respectable uh, platform. L.A., so we talked about how your game's grown from, you know, year one to year four. And I'll let all you guys answer this. I guess my question is, it went from like a, hey, here's a. I don't want to say a fad, but like, hey, here's something. Want to give it a try. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. And now you're four years in. Like, do you love it? Like, do you enjoy being a highlight player? Definitely love being a, uh, being a highlight player. I've played sports my whole life, been competitive from the time that I was like four or five years old. And to still be able to get out on a court um, and play a sport, you know, any sport and make a living from it is, is you know, you know, not, not a lot of people have an opportunity to do that, you know. And so just the fact that I still get to play a sport, I have my son come out and watch me. That's like, you know, that I, I love it. it it's, it's amazing. That's the, the thing that I love about it. Like my son is out here watching me. And he, it's funny when he, uh, when he says, when he says his name, he says his whole name. And then at the end of it, he says athlete player, like it's a part of his name. So it's just like, you know, I'm inspiring him to be an athlete because um, he sees his dad out here on the court day in, day out, giving it everything he has. And, um, and you know, that's, it's just, it's like, it, I, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know how to explain it any other way than it's just like, it makes my heart so full. Um, the fact that I'm, I'm able to do that and provide for him. Tanari, what about you? I feel like th this has gone from just like something we'll try a tryout, right. To a, your profession. You enjoy this. There's an investment in it for yourself, you know, personally and for the sport. When I was brought on and, I was able to play a sport for a living again. It brought me back to my NFL days where I get paid to catch or throw a ball. And at the time, I didn't know where division, like I didn't know what division was. I thought it was like you said, like a fad. Hey, you know, we're going to use you guys for a couple of years and, you know, you know, take it easy. But after year two, uh, it's really after year two, not after year one, after year two, I saw a twinkle in Scott's eye. And from there, 
like I felt like, okay, if he really, really believes in this, and of course I believe in it too, now I need to push this as far as I can, vocally, social media wise, you know, word to mouth, uh, and also on the on the court as well, uh, because you asked the question, do I like it or love it? I love this. I, I love this. I, I genuinely love it. And, and I've been asked a lot if I could ch- had a chance to play football or play highlight. And highlight gave me a respectable wage and I had to play in the NFL. I would play highlight because it has more longevity. You get to play a sport that just individually take a, you know, put your will on a, uh, another individual. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just fun. It's, it's the, it's the funnest sport I ever played in my life outside of football. And I can never, never, never be grateful enough for this, this company of giving me and everybody else opportunity to, 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 to pick this thing back up. So your highlight name, Tenard, is your son's name. Yeah. Uh, so my eight is the month he was born in August. And when I decided to want to play, I said, I play as my son. You know, we play for our son to provide, to give him a better life. So uh, I was just able to just have more, how can I say, motivation on the court. Uh, to go out and play well. So I won't ever embarrass my son. So I wear his name on my back. Last thing, I guess we should, you know, you mentioned Scott Savin, uh, who's the COO of, of, of Magic City. And who, this was his baby, right? And just that he had the vision, right? That he, that he had this thought, this seed, that this, this could work. And I think for you guys as well, that they've invested in it, right? That they, they have your back, right? It wasn't, a fad would be come and go. Right. But they put four years of hard earned money behind this to, to train you to put a pot up, you know, let's say that made it worthwhile to to put in four or five days that L.A. was talking about. I think I'd like all of you to, to sing the praises of, of the people behind Magic City Casino, because, you know, without them and a real investment of their time and money into this, this wouldn't exist. Um, yeah, no, definitely. It was uh, J.R., Stu, Scott they put a lot of time and energy in, into this whole program, getting it, you know, from inception to where it is now and, and going, you know, hopefully into years in the future, just to revive the sport, you know, it's, it's their baby. And it's, I'd love to be a part of this whole process and um, to bring it back, you know, me being someone just from, you know, not even from here to be a part of something that I feel like is so ingrained into what my one of the things Miami is known for. Um, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm happy to be a part of it. And, you know, I think they're doing an amazing job with uh, what's how, how it's going. Tenard, uh, I imagine you feel the same way. Uh, yeah, I can echo what LA said. Having a family, Scott Savin, R. Arasata, Stu. I don't want to forget uh, Lindsay Savin, his, uh, Scott's daughter, even Sandy. You know, everybody's important. And the efforts that they're putting in, the time on and off work that they're putting in to push this sport as far as it can go, if people want to watch it, to fund it, to give us everything we need when it comes to supplies and equipment. Uh, They've been a five-star organization. I have never been treated with so much respect, so much class uh, when it comes to this whole entire organization. This is the reason why they've been holding this organization so long. And this is why they're respected when it comes to the University of Miami and everybody that's all around in, in uh, Miami-Dade County. So being a part of this organization is a blessing. All right. Well, guys, uh, it's been a pleasure doing this. Someone said you couldn't happen. Scott said it could, and it happened. So Saturdays at 4, 
Uh, it's open to the public. You do, you guys do play four days a week, but some of those other days it's not open, but you can watch it. They're streaming at highlightchannel.com. The sport is cool. The ties to the U is awesome, keeping it local. And it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. And, and we might have to come, we might have to come out there and, uh, and catch some of that. No doubt about that. Make sure you show up. Thank you so much.